Well, first, before I introduce our speaker tonight, I'm not preaching tonight. I've asked one of our, our young men to preach this evening, but uh, I want to say thank you to Brother Mrs. Rains and the Falls Baptist Church uh, teenagers and workers who've come all the way from uh, Wisconsin. We're so happy to have you guys with us, and it's been just such a blessing to serve them and for them serving with us and helping us in many, many ways. They've added just incredible dimension and help to our, our children's program and VBS this, this week, and so I hope you take a moment to thank them. They've been, a, they've been an asset and a plus to our special music this week, and we're very, very thankful for that. Well, tonight, I, I want to start off by saying this. How many of you remember, No, Dr. John Getch? He preaches for us every year. He's been here for every year, I guess, when, I don't know, since whenever we started there. And I was thinking, as I'm going to introduce our speaker tonight, I wonder how many pastors, when Dr. Getch, Brother, Brother Eugene, when Dr. Getch was 25, 26 years old, I wonder how many pastors are kicking themselves right now. They didn't invite him to preach when he was that age there. And, of course, he's one of God's premier evangelists that God is using around the world, and we thank the Lord for that. But um, the Lord laid on my heart on Sunday night after Brother Caleb Reed gave his testimony and led in prayer for the offering just to encourage a young man along the way. And kind of where I'm at in life, I just want to encourage young men to grow and stretch them and see our young men uh, being used for the glory of God. I think that's a, that's a great thing. And uh, Brother Caleb Reed has been called of God to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's an evangelist he's an, with the heart of evangelist. And uh, we talked Sunday night, and he's very excited about preaching tonight. And if you're an evangelist, you just want to preach. Amen? In fact, if you're just a preacher, you just want to preach. You want to get the Word of God up. So, Brother Caleb, you come right now, and I want you to say something about the college for our folks there tonight. But you come and preach the Word of God. You give him a hearty amen as he comes right now. Amen? Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 15. While you're turning there, she's going to give you a little bit of... Uh, well, actually, yeah, well, you, you stay seated, because I'm going to read it in just a moment. I'll get there. Just You have time to turn. I am a, a graduate of Baptist College of Ministry in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Now, I grew up, I was born and raised in the state of Maine, uh, which is a long ways away from Wisconsin, even longer away from here. Uh, so, Wisconsin, the idea of going to Bible college was not really on my radar. And I told the, the uh, junior high, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to drive fast and shoot at people. I thought that would be just... You know, an exciting thing, and uh, God was so gracious to me. When I was 19, I went to a, a uh, or excuse me, when I was 18, I went to a uh, search and rescue academy in Texas, and it was there that I heard some solid, hard preaching on sins of the youth. And I got right in a number of different ways, uh, except I didn't surrender to the Lord my calling. I got right, I got clean with my dad, but I didn't yield all to the Lord. My dad asked me to do a, a year of Bible college, and, he, and my older sister had gone to Baptist College of Ministry, and, and just after a year, they'd seen how she had changed. Uh, she started leading people to the Lord, which was a, a remarkable thing for us. Uh, our family was not very much a soul-winning family at the time, and uh, so when my dad began to see growth in my sister, he began to realize that there was life, and uh, there's nothing special uh, necessarily about um, my sister, I think she's special, but nothing special about her per se, except that she began to believe God. Amen. So my dad asked me to take a year of Bible college. He said, would you do a year? And I, yeah, well, uh, I didn't really want to. But I was afraid of what would happen if I pursued my own desires my own way. So I said, all right, I'll do one year if they let me in. Now, they have a, a personal interview uh, for each student. And so I went into this personal interview, and usually there's about three or four deacons sitting there. And I had eight or nine. The room was full. I don't know, Brother Steckman, I don't know if you were in that room. Or I know your, uh, your father was there. And uh, I sat down and I figured, well, I might as well not hide anything. I might as well be honest. If I'm going to start somewhere, I'll be honest. And you know, that's a really great principle, young people. Um, victory and revival starts when you get honest. 
So I sat down there in the, ch- the, the, the chair, the hot seat, and they began to ask questions. And I was just honest. I said, here's where I'm at. And uh, they said, oh, this is, a, this is a troublemaker. And I left that time, and, and they asked me to do a couple things, get some things dealt with at home. I went home, dealt with those things, came to school. As I said on Sunday night with my Dukes up, I was wearing the tightest jeans I could find, the most hip shirt I could find. I wanted to show them that I was not an easy recruit. And the preaching started. And amen. The Lord dealt with me. And uh, third night in, I think it was, uh, sin was hit. I went to the back, an evangelist there was sitting back there that I knew, and he took me into a side room and asked me why I was there. And I said, well, I, uh, I'm here to, to deal with this sin issue. So we sat down and we talked that through. That took about five minutes. And he says, why are you really here? He says, why are you here at Baptist College Ministry? Because I'm supposed to be here for four years and be an evangelist. And I'd never admitted that to anybody. And that was the first time that I had to reconcile with what God had called me to. Two and a half hours later, as he wrestled with me and I wrestled with the Lord, I finally said, all right, Lord, I'm done fighting. And that's been a theme throughout my life is I don't know how many times I've been brought up against a brick wall that I'm trying to fight against. We're going to deal with a little bit of that tonight. And to finally say, all right, Lord, I'm done fighting. I yield. I give in. And praise the Lord. He confirmed immediately my call. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, so I finished, uh, squeezed four years of Bible college into five. So finished my bachelor's degree back in 2016. And then I continued on to seminary, did two years of seminary. And for any of those young men who are considering ministry, let me just put a plug in for seminary. It is so worth it. Uh, it, it matters where you go, it's, but it doesn't have to be cemetery. It is really a good, good place. You know, in seminaries where God settled a lot of the convictions that he gave me. And, and I had those foundation in Bible college, but in seminary is when it became really alive for me. But anyways, uh, Falls Baptist Church and Baptist College of Ministry, it's not made up of perfect people. Uh, Pastor McGeldron's on a journey, as you know, Brother Fong. And you know, even in this last uh, two or three years, there's been a, a journey of prayer that the Lord has taken us on that has been remarkable. I know he came here and taught it here, and at least to some of the staff. And I want to say, if you took that challenge to do an hour with God, please don't stop. Uh, it took three times for them to challenge me to start up again. I'd do it for three weeks, and then I'd be like, whew, I'm done with that. I don't have to do that anymore. And I'd do it again, and it took at least three times before I finally realized this ought to be a way of life. And I'm telling you, Church family, I don't know how, and Pastor AJ and I were talking about this recently, I don't know how I got along without the hour. It makes such a difference in my day. To, to start your day in the morning and, and, and to have your cup of coffee, because that really helps everything, um, to have your, your, your hour with the Lord, and to take that time right off the bat to just praise Him and then yield to Him, to confess sin, to be filled, to intercede, to go to the Word, it's, it's so powerful. And I want to encourage you, if you took the challenge... And you've backed off. Would this be a rekindling? Uh, these last few days, four or five days, my hour has just been so sweet. And I just want to praise the Lord for that. And so I'm very thankful for what God has done leading me there. And now I am 17 days away from getting married. And then we're going to pursue the, the full-time ministry. Praise to the Lord. So that's my plug for the school. Let me add this real quick. Tomorrow night and Friday night, here's how you can pray. At 7 o'clock, we're going to start in here with somewhere around 150. Hopefully, we're looking for 200 young people if we can, if the Lord will allow. We're going to start in here with an hour of uh, big ball games. We've got a four-foot-tall, four-foot-wide ball. It looks like a beach ball on steroids. And we're going to be playing big ball volleyball, big ball basketball, human foosball, different games like that. 
And every part of the night is designed to break down barriers for young people so that they would uh, become comfortable. So an hour of activities in here, then we're going to move to the auditorium. We're going to have a trivia contest, a cheering contest, a number of different things to break down barriers uh, as well. If you're not an athlete and you like, uh, you know, information nerdy stuff like I don't, <laughs> you, that's the time for them. And uh, so we're going to sit down in there, and that's another half an hour of trivia and contest in there. And then we're going to transition. So right about 8.45, if you think 8.45 p.m. is when the preaching is going to start. At least that's what I'm trying to make it for. And it's going to last about 25 minutes. And I'm just asking if you would pray that God would fill this young man and that his power would come down and that those people would not compartmentalize my message because I'm white or because I'm not from California or whatever it may be, that God would just move because of God's word. And that young people would get saved. And today, as we were recruiting, I just kept thinking, if that person came, maybe they could get saved. And if that person came, maybe they could get saved. So if you'd be praying, 8.45 is when we're going to be, uh, the preaching is going to start. So I'd encourage you. And if you can be here just to watch, I'd love for you to be here. Uh, you, might, you might get tempted to join in the games. So you never know. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We're in John chapter 15. We're just going to look at two verses tonight. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 of John 15. God's word says, the words of Jesus, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Father in heaven, these are the words of your son that you gave to us in your holy word. Tonight, Father, we're just a family here wanting to hear the message you would have for us. And Lord, I know this is the message you would laid upon us. Father, I don't know what the needs are. I know how often I have needs. Lord, I ask you to make your application precise. Would you make your application what you want it to be? Lord, would you open ears that may be tired tonight? Would you open ears that have maybe been stubborn or resistant in the past? Father, I just ask you'd work. Would you use these few short minutes that we have as we look at your word that we'd be comforted, challenged, and we'd walk away encouraged. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. There's a pastor that I know in the state of New York. Uh, he's in his mid-50s or maybe early 60s. His name is Clarence Heflin. Met him a number of years ago. And, and uh, he tells a story of going to Bible college after he got saved, going to Bible college in the state of Florida. And he had a little bit of horticulture background. And so while he was down there, he got a part-time job uh, doing, being a caretaker for uh, a widower. Now this widow, or excuse me, not widow, or widow, this widow had been married for a number of years and her husband had his pride and joy was his orchard. He had an orange orchard and a lime orchard and that was something that he spent hours in, tending it, caring for it, spraying it, watering, fertilizing, and, and he would manicure this orchard. It really was his pride and joy. Well, he had passed away. And the orchard, because of no one caring for it, had lied dormant for 10 years. And this, this young uh, pastor, he wasn't a pastor at the time, his, his name was Clarence, uh, he got this part-time job at this orchard for this lady, caretaking for the property. And she had told him a number of times about how this orchard it was just a, just a joy of her late husband and, and to watch it now be just not growing and not being useful. And she had mentioned uh, it needs to be taken care of, it needs to be pruned, it's the main thing, it, just, it really needs to be pruned. Now, this young Clarence, he had an idea of what that was going to take, and, and he was a little bit nervous about what the lady was going to think. So he waited until she was gone, and he went to pruning. And what, what he knew was that all of the dead wood, the overgrowth, had to go. And he began hacking away at this orchard. 
And by the time he came back, or by the time the, the wife came back, he had finished pruning the orchard. And as she looked at it, it really looked just like nubs. Just these ugly, gnarled trunks that were left. And she was furious with him. And she went up one side, down the other, uh, hurt that someone would treat her husband, late husband's orchard in such a way. And he nearly lost his job. She was so angry with him. And he pled with her, Ma'am, would you just, just give me a chance? Give the orchard a chance. Just wait. Have patience. It'll be okay. This is what is supposed to happen. And he didn't lose his job, but uh, she graciously um, allowed him to continue and they waited till the end of the season. Halfway through the growing season, the, the blossoms began to come in a way that no one else around had ever had blossoms. Uh, he said that you could smell the aroma for the blossoms a good mile away. By the time the season was over, he had to walk through the orchard with sticks and prop up the, the branches because they were so overladen with fruit. And, you know, she was, she was astounded. Because what seemed like the worst thing that he could have done to that orchard was the very best thing. We're looking at this passage in John chapter 15. And there's this, this passage is a wealth of information. You know, if, and if you were to go back to John 13 and 14 and, and understand the, the context behind this, and I know pastors has preached a number of messages out of this, you see the love of Jesus as he is giving his message to his disciples. And, and he's talking about the fact that he's thankful that God has given them. And, and he just, out of his love, he pours out of his heart. And he writes some very simple, or he speaks some very simple words. And, you know, sometimes as preachers, you want to go and if you studied the original languages, you think there might be a, a deep truth in the Greek. And I went to the Greek and I read through these verses and there's really not more depth than I am the true vine. <laughs> And my father is the husbandman. But you know, sometimes, even though you may not dig deep into the original language, sometimes it's good to just stop and meditate. What does that really mean? And, and the, the purpose of my message is, is really just to challenge us with one thing. Yes, we see that Jesus is the vine. And many messages can be preached on that. I believe a pastor has, has preached messages on that. But tonight, I want to look at the husbandman. The husbandman. Now, you know the husbandman means the farmer, the vine dresser, the person who is in charge of the vineyard. But I want you to notice this, that the husbandman, which is God in heaven, is the one who has dominion over the vine. He rules over the vine. He tends the vine. And ultimately, the success of the vine is in the husbandman. Because a vine left to itself, an orchard left to itself, may grow fruit for a small portion of time. But a vine left to itself will eventually turn to dead wood and disease-ridden fruit. The power in a vine, in an orchard, is in the husbandman. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, emphasizing, and later on in the passage, he emphasizes, tap into me, dwell with me, and there will be fruit. But... My father is the husbandman. Verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that he may bring forth more fruit. This evening, I want us to notice a few things. I want us to just dwell on what it means to be a husbandman. What does it mean for God to be the husbandman? I, and I wrote a number of different things down. I want you to just think about these things. What is the character of the husbandman? Of course, if we were to talk humanly speaking, uh, a human farmer, a, um, a vine dresser, whether it be here in the States or, say, in the Middle East, a good farmer is one that is invested 
in his orchard. Uh, he's very invested in his orchard. He, he had to purchase the property. He had to, to, to plant the trees, buy the seed. He, he takes his own time and toil to tend to the fruit, to tend to the trees. He's invested in the orchard, not only his time, but his finances. And, and fruit trees are not cheap. If you, if you know anything about the horticulture and planting, and they're not cheap. And many fruit trees, you might plant them one season and they won't, the fruit won't yield for uh, multiple seasons. You know, apple trees may be 15 years, others will be shorter. But to, the choice to, to plant an orchard means that you have vision and forethought. And you may recognize the fruit may not be for you, but it's going to be for someone else. But it's a, a farmer that is invested. Of course, the application is clear. How invested is our husbandman in us? How much time, if I can put it that way, has God, has Jesus put into you? How many of you has God rescued from a life of of sin and debauchery? Maybe some of you who were saved later in life and you recognize God has invested in me. Some here who lived such a life and were maybe, maybe on the brink of death and God rescued you. He's invested in you. You know the husbandman, young people, is invested in you? You know, I was, I was saved at the age of six, but I remember a number of years, uh, maybe two years ago, it hitting me so real that there was a very real time where I was very really on my way to hell. As a five-year-old, I had not committed great sins, but I'd committed enough sins and I was born a sinner that I was on my way to hell. And I remember just a few years ago, it hitting me, there was a time I was definitely going to go to hell and Jesus saved me. He's invested in me. In fact, he wants me to bear fruit. You know, a good farmer, he's invested. But a good farmer desires that the orchard grows. He wants a healthy crop to repay him. Uh, he's put all this time in. Uh, a good farmer is looking that the tree, that the, that the fruit would grow. Just, just bear with me. A good farmer will do everything in his power to make the orchard produce. This is just, humanly speaking, this is a good farmer. He's going to do everything he can. He's going to spray it. He's going to tend to it. He's going to cut down the suckers that grow on the base of the tree. He's going to do everything in his power. He wants the tree to produce. He's very attentive to the health and the needs of his orchard. And finally, the character of the husband is this. Husbandman, he's this. He doesn't just want fruit. He wants abundant fruit. You know, church family, sometimes we get content with fruit. Sometimes I get content with fruit. You know, for instance, for the young people, we were out recruiting today. You might think to yourself, boy, I got that person. I got, I got two this morning. And then how many did you get? Twelve. Mm-hmm. I was happy with two. You know, sometimes I get content when I see one person, a soul, one soul saved a year. And the Lord had more. You know, sometimes I get content with the fact that I only blew up in anger once this last week. When the Bible says, be angry and sin not. You know, sometimes we get content with the way we treat our spouses because we weren't as bad as we were 25 years ago. Sometimes we just get content with our, our spiritual devotional life. Well, we, I, I spent 15 minutes and, and it took me two years, but I got through my Bible reading plan. Sometimes we get content. And you know, all those things are good things. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey growing. But the husbandman, the good husbandman of an orchard is not just content with fruit. He wants abundant fruit. 
We see the character of the husbandman, and, and, and we look at verse 1, and just, just thinking about just what a natural husbandman looks like, and what about the father? To exponential degree, to a greater degree, his love, his compassion, does his use of everything in my life to help me grow. He takes care of the diseases. He, he looks after his trees, his orchard. But I want us to look at verse 2. Here's where we're going to be going tonight, and this is the thrust of the message. Verse 2 says this, Every branch in me, that's connected, a a branch who is connected to a point, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, I'm not going to take, that's not the thrust of the message tonight. It is an interesting passage. I'm sure a pastor has studied through this. There's some controversial ideas of what this really means. Um, But we're actually not going to go in there tonight. I want us to look at the next phrase. Every branch that beareth fruit... He purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. You know, church family, none of us enjoy trials. None of us enjoy frustrations. None of us enjoy when we look at our checkbook ledger and uh, you can count them on one hand and a couple of fingers are missing. None of us really enjoy realizing that bills are due and you have no wherewithal to pay it. None of us really enjoy the pressure of knowing that everything in your family seems to be falling apart. And you know, sometimes we view all those things and because they hurt, we view them as wrong. You know, punishment does hurt. When the, when the, the father has to punish his child, it is painful. It has a purpose, but it is painful. Punishment is always painful. But you know, purging is painful. And oftentimes, because we realize that purging is painful, we assume purging is punishment. And sometimes because we go through trials, frustrations, irritations, uh, uh, the bank account looks grim, the, the bills are due, and we assume that there must be something wrong. But you know, God allows those things because you might be doing something right. This passage here says, every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Boy, doesn't that seem counter, counterproductive for those of us who think if you do right, uh, you should always be blessed. But you remember the husbandman? He's going to do everything in his power, everything that he wisely knows to bring fruit. Church family, are you bearing fruit? Are, are, you, are you witnessing when you're out and about, do you, do you have a desire? Do you see souls or do you see them as people who cut you off in traffic? Do we see souls? We, 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 need, a desire. we need to desire bearing fruit. But church family tonight, I want us to consider, are you bearing fruit and struggling with the trial that you're in? Remember a number of years ago, actually I think it was just about two years ago, I had finished my summer back home and had gone back to school, I was about to... I uh, started into my seminary education and some things at home had just fallen apart. And I was in the process of, of praying about a young lady that I was interested in and just asking the Lord to lead. And it seemed like I was hitting a brick wall. And just before I left, some things seemed to fall apart at home and my bank account wasn't looking so good. And, and I remember getting back to school. The school year hadn't started just yet. And I remember I was helping on the grounds crew and I was mowing. And I almost in tears as I was driving that mower going, Lord, I don't need this. I, I, I tried to obey you all summer. Why is this happening now? 
Lord, this is, this is not what I was intending. And, and what are you trying to tell me? What have I done wrong? Why are you spanking me like this? I assumed it had to be a spanking and I couldn't figure out why I had done wrong. And I remember as I was, I had been meditating on this passage and I was mowing and, and the Holy Spirit so clearly spoke to me and said, this isn't discipline, Caleb. This is purging. And at that moment, I realized that what God was doing was not because I had been wrong, but because God wanted me to take another step farther. And the Holy Spirit prompted me and challenged me with this. Caleb, don't resist the work of the husbandman. You know, folks, sometimes we, we, we look at what God is doing. Let me, let me just... I understand that there are families here who you have children that are unsaved or children who are wayward. Maybe you raised them uh, to be the best that you know how and, and you watch them walk away. Or maybe you're a first-generation Christian and you have family that you've tried to witness to and they reject you every time and you wonder, oh God, why are you doing this? What have I done? I've, I've been obedient to you. Why are you doing this? You know, the Lord just might be purging. The Lord just might be trying to, to reveal something in you that He wants to change. But we step back and we say, no, 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 good, good trees, a good fruit-bearing Christians shouldn't have to be pruned. Oh, yes, they do. You know, it's the humble believer who recognizes, Lord, I'm not anything anyways. If I bore fruit, it's to your glory. And if you want to reveal more of where I need to deal with, so you can fill me more, Lord, amen. But if we are stepping back from what God is doing and saying, why have you allowed this into my life? Why are you pushing me this direction? Why is my bank account empty? I'm a college, or have been a college student for a long time. You, you know why I'm going back to that. Because so many times I'm looking at the, the digits in my bank account. Or sometimes it's negative and you get the, oh, you're an overdraft fee. And you're thinking, why is this happening? You know, folks, every person, frustration, irritation, that God allows into your life is for a reason. There may be people that you have asked that God would deliver you from. I remember hearing an old preacher one time say, he said, I pastored this one church for some 25 years, and there was a woman in the church that irritated me. And I moved away to another church, and wouldn't you know it, another one popped up. Everywhere we go, we're never going to get away from the tools that God wants to use to purge us, to prune us. But you know the husbandman knows exactly the branch to prune? You know the husbandman, it, he, is, he doesn't come in with a hacksaw. Uh, he, he doesn't come in as a bully and knock things over. The husbandman knows precisely what to cut, what to remove. He knows what needs to go, what to encourage, the husbandman in everything he does, there is a purpose. Some of us think, that one fellow that irritates me at work, or my wife, or my, my husband, how can... They, they were so wrong. You know, Romans 8 says that God can use everything for our good. I remember being, sitting in the dean of men's office, frustrated, frustrated, because there was a staff member who had displayed some real flesh. Now, some people think, oh, a staff member never displays flesh. Pastor Fong, does a staff member ever display flesh? Yeah, he does. She does. Yeah, we do. Now I'm on staff at the college and sometimes we display flesh. 
But as an underclass, and I'm looking at this staff person, and I felt like they'd asked me to do something unjust, and I was frustrated. In fact, this frustration had lasted for more than a year to the point where frustration was no longer just irritation. It was deep-seated bitterness. And I remember sitting in the dean of men's office just fuming because a year of frustration over what I perceived to be a wrong was beginning to boil over. Have you ever been there? And he took me to Romans chapter 8. He says, do you believe that God can take everything and turn it for your good? Do you believe the husbandman, the perfect farmer, can make any person be used for your good? No. And I had to admit to him, I didn't believe that. And I realized that I had taken God's deity and his sovereignty and his power and his ability and I'd placed it down on my level because I couldn't see how he could use that. And I had turned God into a, a, a human. And as I began to realize that, God again broke me and I said, okay, I'm done fighting. And I got down on my knees right in the dean of men's office and I said, Lord, I believe you can use that staff member even if they're wrong, you can use it for my good. And I walked out of that office free. Uh, to this day, I see that staff member and there's no longer anger towards them. And, and they've grown too. All the, we're all growing. But my point is, folks, do you believe that the master husbandman, the master farmer, can use even the sin of the people around you for your good? Or are you resisting the husbandman? Have you resisted what God is doing in your life? Have you resisted the pressures, the time crunch, the insecurity of knowing just all the different frustrations and, and, and trials around you? Are you resisting the husbandman? Imagine this. Imagine if a tree branch could talk back to the farmer. Imagine what he'd say. You better not touch that one. You know, all season I've been growing that branch. You better not touch that one. You know how many times the Lord puts his fingers on areas in our life and our first reaction is say lord why that don't let that go i remember hearing a story of a, a young evangelist had gone to preach a week of meetings and there was a, a senior saint just a dear lady in that church and she told the lord in preparation for the week of meetings she told the lord she said lord this week anything you put your finger on i'll give up well the young evangelist began to preach and at the end of the meetings uh, come friday night she came up to him and she said boy preacher i'm sure glad you're leaving tomorrow he said, well, sister, why is that? She says, because God has asked me to give up a lot of things. She goes, I never thought I'd give up my soap operas. But this week, God asked me to. You know, family, the husbandman knows what's dead wood. The husband knows what growth might look good, but isn't going to produce. And can I ask you, has God recently put his finger on an area in your life, maybe through pastor's preaching, that the Holy Spirit's been prompting you, you know, that needs to go. Again, I remember sitting in the dean of men's office. I was there a lot. <laughs> sitting there and he challenged me. He said, Caleb, how about your movies? Man, I was a John Wayne junkie. I love John Wayne. You know John Wayne and Clint Eastwood don't make a very good role model for a preacher? Just, just mentioning that. Can you imagine if Pastor Fong sat in his office and said, make my day, punk. And... It doesn't work. And as a young man preparing for ministry, God began to deal with me 
because those movies and those television shows that I had loved so much, God began to challenge me because they didn't fit in with fruit bearing. Church family, you might say, I'm not even on staff at Heritage Baptist Church. Is there areas in your life that's not in line with fruit bearing? That God wants to remove? You see, the master husband knows just what to remove. How about the television show? Church family, this device right here, is it the first thing you look at when you wake up? Is it the last thing you're on when you go to bed? How much time is Netflix on at home? Church family, these are things that God has had to deal with me because they were idols in my life, but yet they weren't in line with fruit bearing. And every time God dealt with me, I'd look over here and say, Big Father, I'm bearing fruit. Why does this have to go? He says, that's exactly right. You're bearing fruit. But the master husbandman is not content with just fruit. He wants abundant fruit. Church family, have you found yourself resisting the husbandman? A tree who is not pruned, that is not pruned, will not grow. It may grow for a season. Uh, One man said this, "If, If it be painful to bleed, it is worse to wither. Better to be pruned to grow than cut to burn. Wouldn't you rather be a useful, useful tree? Wouldn't you rather stand before Jesus with palms wide open and say, Father, you remove anything you like, cut anything you like, take me through any trial and over any mountain that you would like if I would only bear fruit. Someday we're going to stand before the King Jesus. And he's going to ask you, so why did you spend so much time worrying? Why did you live so much life, your life in bitterness? You spent the last five years of your life angry with your spouse. Why? If you had just trusted me, I could have given you an abundant marriage. He might ask you, why did you waste so much time at the movie theater? Why did you waste so much time playing your your PlayStation and your Xbox, young people? Young people, all those things are going to burn someday. He, He may ask you, why didn't you just trust me when the bank account was empty? Why didn't you just trust me when you broke down on the highway and I had, the repairman was ready to get saved and you were so angry that you broke down on the highway that you missed the opportunity? Are we resisting the husbandman? God says that He can work everything for our good. He, Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says this, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Do you resist the husbandman? Now, before I finish, I want to end, close with this one thought. The core reason we resist the husbandman is because we don't believe the husbandman is wise. The core reason we ever resist the work of the Holy Spirit is because we don't believe His way is better. Working through the hour of prayer in, in the booklet that we'd received, there's a phrase in there that says, God is wise. And many times I'll go to that and I'll, I'll meditate on that and praise the Lord. But the, the phrase after that has stuck with me. It says, man's good and God's glory are intricately connected. Do you believe that God is big enough and loves you enough to take every Part every pruning, every purging, every frustration, and it'll be for your good and for His glory. The resistance to the husbandman creates disease-ridden fruit and dead wood. But a yielding to the husbandman 
allows His work to produce fruit, but not just fruit, it's abundant fruit. Church family, you may be, you may be bearing fruit right now. And actually, from what I've heard, there's a lot of fruit bearing here. In fact, I am so encouraged with how many people get saved here. Seeing the brothers here sitting in the front on Sunday who had just recently gotten saved, man, that was encouraging. It stirred me to, man, I need to be a better soul winner. But are you ready to allow abundant, abundant fruit? This week, the Lord may want to do some pruning. This week, there may be a challenge that you were not expecting. Could we take a step back and say, Lord, I believe you're good. Father, I believe you're in control. You know, as, as Baptists, uh, as, as dispensational bapti- Baptists, we sometimes uh, resist the thought of sovereignty, and that's out of balance because God is sovereign. And God in his sovereignty can use the wrong choices of man and still use it for your good. Church family, are you resisting the husbandman? Would tonight, would we, with open palms, with a humble heart, say, Father, I'm bearing fruit, and I want to bear more fruit. Or, Father, I've stopped bearing fruit because I didn't obey over here. And Lord, would you purge? Would you prune tonight? I'd lay it on the altar. Lord, uh, remove the dead wood. If you choose to work, I choose to yield. Church family, please don't resist the husbandman. His work is perfect. He is he's invested. He desires the orchard to grow. He's wise. He knows how to do everything in his power to make the orchard grow. He's attentive to the health, to the needs, to the diseases. He doesn't just want fruit. He wants abundant fruit. You know, every single orchard can go without pesticides, but no orchard can go without pruning. It's necessary. As a believer today, it's necessary. Would you embrace it? Embrace the pruning. And and that day when I was on that mower, when God made it so clear to me, Caleb, this is not my punishment, this is my pruning. It gave such liberty because I could embrace what what he was doing. And then ask him to do more. And as he worked and as he led, I began to see how the pruning brought abundant fruit. So as I conclude, church family, is there any seething anger in you? Because you've resisted what God is wanting to do? Have you seen the ungodly, sinful choices of man and not believed God could use those for your good? Or tonight, would you yield to the master husbandman who knows what needs to go, just where to cut, because he loves and because he wants abundant fruit? Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed? Church family, it is never a pleasant thing to to be irritated. It's never a pleasant thing to be frustrated. It's never a pleasant thing to go through a trial, to watch a difficulty, to be in a difficulty. But tonight, will we embrace what God is doing? Maybe tonight we need to confess, Lord, you put your finger on an area and I resisted you. Or tonight we've been living too much with worry and fear because we've not been ready to yield ourselves to the wise husbandman. If God has laid his finger, put his finger on an area of your heart, and tonight before God, if you would like to honestly say, Father, I yield myself because of this one area. As the piano plays, if God's doing a work in your heart, would you come forward and would you yield to the husbandman?
Word of God's been preached tonight. Is there something God needs to cut away? Let's take a moment tonight. Let the Lord do His purging. Is there pride? Is there lying? Is there some hidden sin, a presumptuous sin? Is there bitterness? Is there anger problem? Lackadaisicalness, laziness? Is there something the Lord needs to cut away? Is there a lust problem that needs to be dealt with? Is there a forgiveness issue that needs to be dealt with tonight? God's spoken to us tonight. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father's the husbandman. Every branch of me that beareth fruit, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch of me that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Oh, the pathway to God's blessing is success, fruitfulness. It begins with purging. Would you let the husband have his way? I'm thankful tonight that Brother Reed mentioned about God being wise. Paul said he's the king who's eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only wise God. God knows what he's doing. He never makes mistakes. He's always on time. He knows what we need. Are you insecure tonight? You're living in a world that's upside down because of insecurity. Don't you think tonight we need the Lord to cut away from those insecurities? We would bask and saturate ourselves being accepted in the beloved, letting the love of God work in our hearts. And then tonight I wonder, maybe it's not purging first that you need, maybe that you need to realize that you're not saved, that you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Tonight would be a good time to put your faith and trust in Christ to save you and wash away your sins. Would you do that tonight? Father, while we're praying around the room tonight, thank you for, Lord, a very timely message as we get prepared and ready for the next step of what you'd have to do for our lives. Lord, we all need purging in our lives. We all need you to just put your hand on something. I'm thinking today as I was reading the scriptures this morning, David says, search me. Lord, I don't believe that's on our vocabulary quite a bit. We need to pray and ask that, Lord, you search us and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, you know all things. Lord, you know what our words are. You know what we're thinking. And tonight we ask that uh, through this message that the seed of your word will not fall on the ground and be wasted, but rather, Lord, will bring forth 25, 50, 100-fold fruit. Tonight, Lord, we ask that you be glorified through that timely message. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you the word of God was open. And Jesus said through that, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. And Lord, as we pray for every service, we thank you for sanctifying your people through thy truth, and because thy word is truth. Father, in a moment we'll be dismissing. There'll be some meetings still going on tonight. We ask that you be glorified through all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that was helpful. We needed that tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Reed. We appreciate that very, very much. And I, I know that God will use him greatly. You pray for him. We're doing good on time. I just have a few things tonight. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sunday night, if you'll help us with this. And... Um, give you kind of some things to pray about. And then I want to talk about this week on some, some announcements here. Um, Sunday night, uh, I want to ask the church family if you could try to get here by 5.15 Sunday night. And I'd like you to take a place in the auditorium just to pray for the Berean Center and for God to use that building. Uh, they, we, we ought not to treat the opening of a new building. And by the way, I'm praying it's not the last building. Amen. Amen. And that the Lord would use us to just really see people that will come through those buildings, through those rooms, whose lives will get transformed, whose lives, and people will get saved through that. 
And uh, that night, now we have a lot of acknowledgments we're making, a lot of acknowledgments to our, our contractors and consultants and a lot of volunteers who've put in numerous, numerous, incredible amount of hours to helping get this project towards that. And for those who have not been in the building as you walk through it, there's kind of an awe, just that, that a sense of what God has done there. And I want you to feel that and sense that, if you would, on this coming Sunday. But there will be a number of acknowledgments, and I hope that you'll just have a thankful heart as we, we make those acknowledgments and for the music. And a message we're going to prepare where we're going to give the gospel on Sunday night. And I want you to just use Sunday night as an opportunity of bringing uh, folks that you know to see what's going on. We've invited a lot of the families that are... Um, They've been coming through Kids Camp and other events recently to be at this event on Sunday night. So it's an important thing there. And uh, for adult Sunday school teachers, and, you know, I think you want to encourage just families to come and folks to be here, and, and it'll be a wonderful, wonderful time. We'll give instructions about going through the building and things, but it'll be a good night. It'll be a wonderful night there. The choir will be singing two powerful hymns that will help prepare our hearts for everything. So you help us with that. And then we'd like to ask as a church you'd be in prayer with us for tomorrow night and uh, actually for Kids Camp tomorrow morning. And tomorrow afternoon and Friday afternoon as we hit the culmination, and we're just praying the Lord would work that we had a mother that trusted Christ this afternoon as her Savior, and we had several others that heard the gospel today, and we're just praying through as we get through the end of the week. We think we have some, some more additional good prospects that will be coming into our, um, our, our, uh, our, our church here on a regular basis. But uh, pray with us that we'll have some more families that will come in and that will just see what God's doing here. And then I'd like to ask that you to be in prayer for tomorrow night and Friday night for the, the Fizz Feud, the, uh, the teen challenge that's going to be doing. Uh, we're doing the uh, Falls Baptist Church Teens Live with Brother Rains and Brother Reed. They've just done a fantastic job every day this week going out looking for teenagers wherever they can. And they have a large, large suspect list. Now, you pray with us that that suspect list, that God will do something in the hearts of all these teenagers so that going into tomorrow night and Friday night, that they're just ready to come, that the Lord will bring back in their minds over and over again about coming to this special event. And we just pray for many teens to be saved and for shot in the arm. And I'm just thankful for the incredible hard work they've done and just, you know, putting themselves out and doing this. And this is going to help us a lot in terms of reaching more teenagers. So you be in prayer for that if you want. That would be a wonderful thing. Um, Saturday, August 19th. I didn't say this last this past Sunday. Saturday, August 19th is our all-church fall soul-winning kickoff. I'd like to have all of you there. We're really strongly encouraging folks to be there on that day. We'll have a light continental breakfast in the morning, and we're just going to get out. We're praying for about 200-plus people to be at so many that Sunday, that Saturday morning. And I know there's some other things going on. There's going to be some groups going out a little bit earlier, which is fine. But you need to go for several reasons. One, for just to being accountable. Secondly, just to sharpen yourself and just get a little, you know, make those improvements where you need it. And I think we all can use improvement and when it comes time to just sharing the gospel and getting to people, knowing how to close, all those types of things. So you come from that. That will be a wonderful thing there on Saturday the 19th. This Saturday, we're looking forward to sewing, 945, and just kicking that off and having a wonderful, wonderful Saturday there. All right. Well, we need to get these chairs stacked up. And uh, does anybody know, are we taking the furniture off the, off the platform? Brother Vaughn, do you know? Anybody know? Brother Irwin, do you know if we're taking the furniture off the platform? We're tomorrow night. We're not right now. Okay. So let's just get the chairs stacked up if we can for now. And then uh, if you got the men can help us with that. And then those who are in the meeting with me, if you can meet me, leave here about about 8.30 and meet me over in the chapel. We'll have our meeting over there tonight. And I think you need to plan for about 30 minutes for that meeting tonight. And then deacons, we have about a, probably a 45-minute meeting after that there. So if you'll bear with us tonight, it's going to be a long night for some of us, but it'll be good there. Uh, greet some of the folks from Falls Baptist Church. Let them know you're glad you're here. We have visitors and guests here tonight. Thank you for being here at Heritage Baptist Church. And we pray that you'll join us back on a Sunday service, if you would. God bless you for being here. You're dismissed.